I speak to you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I recently heard on the radio an advertisement for an erasable Bible. It didn't refer to the kind that provides space in the margins in which you can take notes and easily remove or add. It was referring to the text itself, that it was printed with the number two lead that we all used growing up in school that you could easily erase and leave no marks behind. Clearly, it was satire. I don't think you could go out and Google that and find one yet. Maybe someday, though. There are some parts of Holy Scripture that are very difficult to digest, to sit with. And I would categorize our gospel reading this morning in that way. The words of Jesus are hard words to receive and to hear, especially if we take them at his word and do not seek to change them, ignore them, neglect them, erase them. Is that not something that we do more subtly on our own and discreetly, even subconsciously? We may not be even intending to, but sometimes when we come across difficult words of Jesus, we just fail to talk about them or think about them, and in place of, we choose to focus more on the uplifting words that Jesus offers, the ones we find encouraging and not as much challenging. Jesus says in our Gospel reading, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for I tell you, many will seek to enter and will not be able. These words came out of Jesus' mouth on another occasion during his Sermon on the Mount, and they came out with a little more expansion and emphasis. In Matthew's Gospel, he records Jesus as saying, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Perhaps the most difficult truth that we can draw from this is that many will be saved, yes, indeed, but more will not be. And I'm referring to that day in which Jesus comes again to judge, as we say in the Creed, the living and the dead. On that day, many will be surprised that not everyone makes it through the narrow door. From the perspective of the first century gospel writers, they would be surprised at how many do. The man who asked the, asked the question of Jesus is sort of catching on to this fact, Lord, are you saying that only a few will be saved? 
And Jesus' words taken seriously seem to point us to that conclusion. Yes, few, most won't. Jesus turns a question from an individual who remains anonymous, whether it was a man or a woman, who asked him, we do not know. Lord, will those who are saved be few? He takes a speculative question and turns it into an opportunity to address everyone who's gathered around him, to encourage them into a state of personal evaluation. And what he's doing here is he's encouraging them to not be so much concerned about others and their state. Don't deflect in that way, but consider yourself. Where will, you, where, where will you fall on that day? And so he says, strive to enter through the narrow door. Take consideration of yourself. How are you approaching that day? And so there are some questions for us to reflect on. What does Jesus mean by these words? Strive to enter through the narrow door. The truth is there are, there's no amount of exegetical gymnastics that I can pull out of my pocket to get around the plain sense of these words. Someone once said, when the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense unless you make nonsense of it. So what is the plain sense of Scripture? Strive to enter through the narrow door. We are sensible people, and we understand those words very clearly. The Greek word here used for strive has a root, agonize. Take pains, do all in your power, all that you can, to enter. Hence, strive. What does this look like? If you haven't been to a Red Sox game recently, let me remind you of what that scenery looks like. You show up somewhere in the vicinity of Fenway, park off at a distance, or you take the tee in, and it becomes very clear that you're not the only one headed in this direction, that you are in company with multitudes of people going in the same direction. And as you make your way closer, you get to a point to where you begin to see that this mass collection of people is beginning to form into some lines. And one line in particular seems to be extra long. And you think, oh, I ought to get in that one. But you walk a little further thinking, but all these other people keep going and, well, maybe I don't have to stand in that line. And you start to realize that, well, all these people in this really long line here, they're not wearing anything related to the Red Sox. And in fact, they're of a certain age group, like teenagers and 20s, and they've got chains hanging from their belts. And they look a bit grungy, and you say out loud to your friend, well, what are they doing? And someone, a stranger in front of you says, oh, they're not here for the game. (laughs) They're attending a concert around the corner. Whew. You make your way a little closer, and you begin to realize there's all sorts of venues you can enter, restaurants galore, 
And those people aren't so much gathered in a line in an order, orderly way. They're just sort of massively gathered around the entry and you don't know if they're coming or they're going and you've got to make your way around them. At some point, you, you get to the field and you pick up your ticket that you dropped along the way and you start to realize, okay, I've got to figure out which gate to enter here because I can't just go through any gate and you, you start to discern your way and everybody's lined up at multiple gates. There are multiple ways of entry, but you have one way. And everyone is striving. Most are not striving at the expense of others, but secretly they are. They're trying to get ahead of the other and make your way so that you can get into Fenway. That's what it looks like to strive to make your way in. Except the difference here is that Jesus doesn't refer in a plural sense to doors. He says there's one door that you must enter, and that door is narrow. Then the question comes, am I on time? Will you be too late? You see, when you show up for a Red Sox game, you want to show up for the first pitch, make it in time for the anthem, but you don't have to. You can still enter through. It's probably easier that way if you do. What does Jesus say here? When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer, I do not know where you come from. These are not my words, but Jesus' words, that there will come a time when the door is in fact shut, and at that point it is indeed too late. There is no entry for anyone who knocks. Drawing on an example from salvation history, I would encourage us to turn back to the story of Noah and the ark. There was a point in time in which the rain began to fall. Noah and his family entered the ark and the door shut. And at that point it was too late. And all those who scoffed at Noah, who questioned what he was doing, found themselves at a loss. Isaiah says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near, because he will not always be. The door will shut. And then, if you approach the door, let's say on time, the question arises for our personal reflection, how? In what manner will we approach that door? What is the basis for our seeking entry? What will we say? What will we lean on for our hope? Some will approach that door, confessing at that point, saying, well, this seems important. You see, I never really cared before in my life on earth. I never really sought to care. Other things occupied my mind and attention, but now I see that I made a mistake and I should have cared. In fact, 
that should have taken priority over all other things. Depart from me, I never knew you, will be the answer. Others will show up and say, well, I'm a good person. I didn't commit any crimes that were too terrible. I certainly didn't kill anyone. I didn't defraud of anyone of too much. I was mostly faithful to my spouse. For what reason can I not enter? Depart from me, for I never knew you. Others will show up and say, Look at all the good things I've done that have been credited to my name, some of them even in your name, Jesus. I sought with my life to benefit humanity. I tried the best I could with the resources I had to make the world a better place, and people acknowledged that. They built memorials in my memory, in my honor. What do we learn from the epistle letter of Hebrews? But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe in him. These will come to realize that they had really been more about their self-glory than God's glory. Depart from me. I never knew you. Others will show up and say, but I gave my attention to you. I observed you. I listened to you. I even ate and drank with you. I was in your company. As here in our gospel reading, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me. Others will show up and say, but I'm a spiritual person. I sought the best from all world religions, and I put it all together seeking enlightenment, seeking to make progress on a spiritual path. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. To all these and to more, Jesus will say, Depart from me, you workers of evil. That is not the basis for entry through this narrow door. I do not know where you come from. And they will leave, weeping and gnashing teeth in sorrow and anger, because they trusted on those things. Do you see how narrow this door looks? there will be many surprised on that day. And perhaps the greatest surprise of all will be in the observation of those who enter. How? Why do they get to go through and I don't? Because they believed. That's it? They simply believed? Yes. That's it. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God so that no one may boast. 
Is that not good news? It is by faith only. It's as easy as grabbing onto a flotation device while drowning. And yet it can be the most difficult thing you do in life is to turn to God in faith. Why? Because it requires you to admit your need for salvation. That's not a popular word these days. Salvation from what? Well, salvation from the defilements of sin that have stained you. Salvation from the deception of the devil that has seeped into your life. Salvation from the ultimate destruction of death and most of all, salvation from God's judgment. As we confess, we believe that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Part of our need for salvation is from God himself. And it comes by faith. So when we read in this gospel reading that we will see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God reclining at table, and we wonder, how are they in? We must remember by faith. You remember Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And anyone else who would join them is simply there by faith. All those who will come from north and south and east and west will be there by faith. The last surprise that I would offer is sort of a clever reflection. I don't know if this comes from John Newton or C.S. Lewis. I put some effort in to try and find out, but I couldn't. One of them. If I ever reach heaven, I expect to find three surprises there. First, to meet some I had not thought to see there. Second, to miss some I had thought to meet there. And third, to find myself there. You see, no matter how much I seek to rest on the promise of salvation through faith, no matter how much joy that brings to me at times, I will still be surprised that on that day, if I am admitted, that God would indeed save a wretch like me by faith. Lest I leave us with some vague, open-ended notion of faith, faith in anything, I would encourage us to give substance to that faith as we now stand and profess our faith in the one true living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.